It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin. We welcome you in to this Halloween edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, I should say Batman, Luigi, and Kurt Cobain here on the on the Sports Mix as we are in costume. We're being festive today. It smells like teen spirit in here. Yeah, it does. I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm not doing a Luigi impersonation, but... Good, because you be keep messing up and say Mario again. <laughs> <laughs> Look... Luigi, he gets pushed to the side. He shouldn't, though. Yeah, I mean, he's cool. He is. He's got his own games, a few of them. Luigi's Mansion, man. Yeah, Luigi's Mansion. Haunted Mansion. Exactly, Halloween time. Mm Mm-hmm. There we go. And uh, he's cooler than Mario in the Super Mario Brothers. I'm with you. Mario's kind of lame. Yeah. Luigi's the cool one. So I thank Dylan for giving me this costume, because... If not, I would just be Nick Verzellini, and that's not any fun. I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry. <laughs> that's not how I meant it. That's not how I meant it. We'll talk after this Next show. Halloween. <laughs> Nick Verzellini counseling. I'm going to be this. Nick Verzellini for next Halloween. <laughs> Our show brought to you by Brown Funeral Home and Cremation, Robert Fields and Sons. Family-owned, full-service funeral home. Probably serving our area since 1880. Power it came off as one. very depressing. It, it, it wasn't meant that way. I just meant it wouldn't be very festive if I was just myself. True. There we go. That's what I meant. But if I, I were you. Not that I would be. Yes, that would be cool. <laughs> That'd be different. That'd be amazing. You'd be Nick Verzellini. Exactly. Your we switch chairs. Better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we would have to do. I wake up every day hoping that I'll wake up as Nick Verzellini. You yeah. Know? I mean, but you can't. So, um, high school volleyball tonight. That's important. Musselman's playing Martinsburg uh, in sectionals tonight. Should be interesting to see how this one plays out. And Spring Mill's taking on Hedgesville, Washington, we believe, is playing Hampshire um, in sectionals on Section 2 side. So, um, guys, obviously, you know, the game we'll have tonight, Musselman Martinsburg, but just kind of, I guess, your quick thoughts, because we did have a long interview with Coach Thomas yesterday on uh, Musselman Martinsburg and, and Spring Mill's Hedgesville tonight, and, of course, Washington and Hampshire. Well, Musselman and Hedgesville both should take care of business you you would think to get to sectional championship it'd be incredibly surprising to see an upset there but i mean you never know well, what could happen we see musselman drop a set to martinsburg earlier this year we saw hedgesville drop a set to spring mills earlier this year so we've seen capable of doing it in particular spring mills seems like that they have those higher peaks they're just not able to quite put it together for you know three four five sets whatever you want to say but it'll be an interesting test for them but i do think in the end musselman and hedgesville will uh, get it done at home and meet up with each other on thursday i do too it'll just be interesting to see how tough of a fight it is we, we've seen at least from martinsburg they take a set from musselman i believe uh both times Spring Mills was swept. I'd have to double check um, that to see if I was correct or not. But Hedgesville, Musselman should both get the job done, advance to 
Thursday to see another pretty solid rematch. And then on the other side, I think Hampshire gets it done. Both them and yeah, Washington yeah. kind of struggled. But I, I think Hampshire beats Washington. Yeah, I think you kind of go uh, either way on that side. Um, I do think we will see Hedgesville Mossman again. Um, I think the question will be, though, you know, how well does Martinsburg and Spring Mills push those two teams mm-hmm. in the semifinal? Because at times they've shown ability to take a few sets here and there, uh, but haven't done it consistently. So, you know, that will be interesting to see tonight. But ultimately, I would expect Mossman Hedgesville on Thursday and either Washington, Jefferson, or Jefferson, uh, Hampshire. I'm not really certain how that one's going to go because um, we've seen both of those teams. We haven't seen them against each other, so you know it's a toss-up. I feel like on that side, but um, I do think it does play out how we expect here tonight. But let's go ahead and hear from the head coach of the Musselman Appleman, Brian Thomas, here on the Sports Mix. We're now joined on the Sports Mix by the head coach of the Musselman Appleman, Brian Thomas. Coach Thomas, your team getting a forty-three to six victory last week over the Washington Patriots. What were your takeaways from that game? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it excited. Um, you know, it feels good. You know, I, I was really proud of the kids. Just you know, they, they can they just continue getting better man and that that's a big part especially as you get in here to november you want to be playing your best football in november so you know i i continue to think uh we're improving as a team uh here late in the year and you know it's good to kind of see those results there's you know there's been some times this year where it's been frustrating for us because you don't see those results directly you know, with not winning as many games as we're accustomed to. So, uh, you know, it's kind of good to see the the results and get that victory a little bit. And, Coach, for your team, it's been a struggle to put up points. You know, some of that may have to do with your, your strength of schedule and everything, but it, uh, ultimately you haven't scored more than 14 since week two heading mm-hmm. into this game, and you put up 43. Uh, just what was that like to see your offense clicking and finding ways to finish off drives? Yeah, it's good. You know, we, we, we've we been doing good stuff offensively. We just haven't always converted in the red zone. You know, speaking of which, you know, their their one touchdown was a turnover we had in the red zone that they scooped and scored on. So, you know, not, not perfect. You know, you always look to, to continue to get better. So, you know, that's – I guess that's a negative view if you can take a negative away. But, you know, we, we've done good things all season. Um, you know, we've had red zone trips. We've had good drives against really every team that we played. We just got to finish stuff. So, you know, Friday we were able to finish stuff. Friday we, we were able to execute a little bit better, uh, we, which is good, you know. So any time you can put points on the board, that's a good thing. Putting points on the board was something Isaiah Beer did in that game with four catches, three touchdowns, I believe 114 yards and receiving. Just talk about his game. Yeah, Isaiah had a big Isaiah had a really big game for us. You know, Isaiah is an explosive player. Uh, you know, he he's he's really quick. Uh he's on our you know, last year as a sophomore, he was on our state qualifying four by one and four by two team uh, for our school, and he's the leadoff leg. So, you know, that kind of tells you a little bit his, you know, the the, the track coaches, um, you know, they they that's their job, and they see those kids and they judge the speed, and you know, they they thought highly enough as them that they were going to put him on the first leg because his takeoff's so good. So, you know, we see the same thing in in our football season is just you know his his first step, um, you know his. Gift 
get off is just so fast. And, you know, he, he brings that to the football field. So, yeah, he does a lot of good things. You know, he's been talking about putting points up on the board. You know, we haven't had him here. And, you know, really the whole second half of the season, uh, he broke his ankle against Morgantown and, and was out for a good part of a month. So, you know, that's that's one of the reasons. He's one of the reasons we struggle a little bit to put points on the board because when you take your fastest kid off the field, um, you know, you lose that threat. So now that we have him back, it really opens up some things that we can do. Um, you know, and he presents a lot of mismatch problems just based on his speed. And, Coach, also you guys a few weeks ago uh, made that decision to make Michael Thompson your full-time quarterback. And uh, clearly, you know, when a wide receiver has a big game, your quarterback has a good game as well. What what has Michael done the last few weeks, and how have you seen his growth as a passer this year? Yeah, you know, Michael's came up in our program – um, you know, now for three years. So, you know, we, we, we know who Mike is. We know what Mike brings to the table. Um, you know, Mike has, Mike's, a, Mike's a really positive kid, a uh, really coachable kid. So, you know, we he's got a really good relationship with, you know, not just myself, but um, a lot of our – um, a lot of our coaches uh, here in the staff, you know, he's got a really good relationship with our quarterbacks coach, Caleb Denbeck. So, uh, you know, we, we, we have a lot of confidence in Mike and what Mike does and what Mike brings to the table. Uh, you know, he throws a good ball, but, you know, he, he's just really – he's really positive. Um, he's a really super good teammate, and he brings a lot of energy uh, to our team and to our offense. So, you know, it's good to see him go out. And he, he's had some good games uh, for us here over the past month, but, you know, just uh, to come out – statistically and have a big game like that uh, is really good for for him and for his confidence so uh, you know we're really confident Mike let's now look at this week's game you guys take on Parkersburg what have you seen from them yeah really good team Uh, really good team really well coached Um, got a lot of athletes all over the place and we played them last year and they were really junior heavy last year so uh, a lot of those kids that we you know, we've seen on film are the same kids that we got to play against last year. So, um, you know, we, we played them in a seven-on-seven this summer and saw them up close to. They, yeah, they're really athletic. They're really good. You know, they, they, they a lot like us, play a tough schedule. Uh, you know, play, play, play a lot of teams that, you know, are, are, are up there in the standings. So, they're, they're really good, uh, really excited. You know, you, you want to play – you want to play meaningful games in November. Uh, you know, you don't want to play. You don't want to play two teams that, you know, somebody's fighting for their second win of the season, and there's ten people in the stands. So those those games are those games aren't fun. So you know, we're we're, we're excited about just the opportunity. Uh, you know, the atmosphere that I know we're going to have here at our field uh, playing against them. But you know, we 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 got our work cut out for us because we're going to have to play really well because uh, they're a really good football team. And coach, you mentioned, of course, Parkersburg, you know, traditionally a pretty good program in the state, one of the better programs in the state. And, uh, you know, this game, they're coming in five and four. You guys are four and five. Um, A lot. This could be a play in game for the playoffs. So, uh, and they're coming off of some losing seasons. Uh, Knowing that, you know, this has to be an exciting game for both teams. And I guess just with a lot riding on this one. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it essentially is a playoff game. You know, we we crunched the numbers a little bit in our staff meeting this week. Uh, 
you know, the winner of this game is in for sure. I, th- I think right now, I think in the latest rankings, I think one of us is 15 and the other one's 16, I believe. Um, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure of that, but I believe that's what I saw. Um, I don't know which one's which. I just know we're both kind of right on the cusp there. So, uh, you know, everything that we crunch number-wise, the winner of this game is 100% for sure in, and the loser might be in, might be out. So, you know, we, we'd like to be on the – you know, I mean, well, I, I, they, they're the same. You know, you, both these teams, both of us, want to be on the winning end of the of, of the of the outcome, just because then you don't have to look at scores and hope for somebody else to do your work for you. So, um, yeah, it's 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 exciting, man. You know, like I said, these are the reasons you you prep and you prepare so you can play uh, meaningful games in November. What's your team need to do to be on the winning side of things then? Um, you know, I, I, I'm like I say every week. I'm, I don't mean to be a cliche guy, but you know, it's some of the basics of football 101 are the stuff that you have to do to win games. Uh, you know, the, the turn, turning the ball over and creating turnovers is big. Uh, you know, they they lost last week to Spring Valley. And they threw two uh, pick sixes, so you know they're, they're probably saying the same thing. You got to protect football, or else you know big big plays like that happen. So you know you got to protect the football. Uh, you got to make tackles. You know you got to win. You got to win the battle up front. Um, you know I, I think a lot of it's just kind of kind of football 101 stuff man it is you know we we think sometimes the game has all these big things to it but a lot of times it just comes back to hey can you block them can you tackle them you know can you protect the football so you know we we, we can't have bonehead mistakes and we got to execute the things that we do coach is this your team's uh, senior night yes yeah it's senior it's senior night it's homecoming we, we got a yeah, we we got a really busy week. Um, you know, we we had so many home games early on in the season that uh, they didn't want to put homecoming right at the start of the school year. That you know, we really been on the we were, we were on the road for a month straight. So um, homecoming just kind of fell on this week. So we got senior night, we got homecoming. Um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty pretty busy week here for us. What can you say about this uh, senior class and what they've meant to this program? Yeah, um, you know, really good senior class uh, as far as just, you know, there's all, you know, all the kids mean a lot, uh, but, you know, you get, you get so many different stories, I think, because, you know, you could, I could talk about so many of them. You got kids that have been three-year starters, you know, you got kids that, uh, we got a couple seniors, this is their first year ever playing, you know, you got, got got some seniors that probably don't want to play as much as, they are probably aren't playing as much as they'd like to play, but you know they show up every day and work hard um, and, and have a role. You know, I, I'm a big believer in uh, any organization for that organization to be successful. Everybody has to play their part, and not everybody's part is going to be, you know, whatever the the superstar on a team or the the you know CEO of the company or the president. You know, everybody's going to have kind of their role, and you know we have a lot of seniors on this year's team that really embrace their role. Some of them are, you know, some of them are, might be our best athletes. Some of them might be our vocal leaders. Some of them just might be kids at practice that come in every day and make us better that you don't see, see in the stat sheet. So, you know, we're really happy of the senior class. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've had a really good career. You know, a lot of them, you know, most of them played last year that were on our, our playoff uh, run that we had last year. And, you know, most of them this year are on this team that, you know, is trying to make another playoff run now so uh just you know a lot of good kids and and 
it's you know stuff that stuff that kind of goes unnoticed sometimes is is you know the things that the things that they do you know we we have 17 i get you know we have 17 seniors on this year's team and not a single one of those 17 seniors the first nine weeks had a d or an f on their report card so you know that's the stuff that we don't talk about enough is just the you know the people and the young men that they are all right coach our uh, fun question this week yeah. is who is your favorite athlete Oh man! Um, oh, you guys—you caught me off guard. Um, oh, gee whiz! I—I I don't, I don't know if I have an answer to that, man. You caught me off guard. I'm not a huge like. I, I'm, I'm. I don't really like watch a lot um, or have like favorite teams. I just kind of watch for the heck of it. Uh, I mean, uh, an obvious answer in professional sports would be Trayvon Wesco, right? I mean, that's got to be that's got to be the obvious. Like every week, I, I go in and I check his stats and I check, you know, things that Trayvon does. So I guess that would have to be, I guess that would have to be an obvious answer. Oh man, I I don't know if I got another one for you guys. I mean, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that I like and a lot of guys that 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 I think you know, are good role models for the sport. I like Trevor Lawrence. You know, I'm, I'm a big Trevor Lawrence fan. I'm, I'm, I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I like Joe Burrow a lot. Um, you know, as far as, like, watching play, I'm, 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 I like Lamar Jackson just because the explosiveness that he brings uh, to the table. So, you know, th- those are three guys that I guess kind of stand out to me um, as far as guys that are that are quarterbacks in the league and, and play in the league. Man, that's a hard question. I don't know if I – geez, I don't know if I have – I have an answer to that. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you were going to go growing up or current. I I know we Uh, weren't really specific. Yeah, I went current. Growing up, man. Ah, gee whiz. Growing up. ah, It's so hard. It's It's such a loaded question. Um, I'd have to think. You know what? We're going to hang up, and I'm going to think about something. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's obviously this guy. You just put me on the spot. So stinking quick. I mean, I like Brett Favre growing up. Um you know, I don't know, man. That's all. That's such a. I'm going to think of all. When we hang up, I'm going to think about all of these names. I like Vince Carter in basketball growing up. That's such a hard question. Man, you guys, look at you guys. I like Clayton Kershaw. Ah, oh, man. It's a, that's a that's a that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. Well, if you think of anybody else, I guess you'll just have to text us and we'll say it on the show. Peyton Manning, I like Peyton Manning. Always a good guy. I always like watching him. Man, that's just a that's a, that's that's a tough one. Yep, that's a tough one. Appreciate the time, Coach Thomas, yeah. as always, and good luck this Friday. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate all you guys do. That was Coach Brian Thomas of the Musselman Appleman as we step aside, take our first break on today's edition of the Sports Mix here on Halloween as this segment brought to you by Parsons Ford of Martinsburg at 1400 Shepherdstown Road and online at ParsonsFord.com. They became number one by making you number one first, Parsons. Now, back to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. 
We welcome you back to the Sports Mix here on this Halloween, October 31st. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop here on the show in costume. I don't know who's must be my Joker ringing now. Yeah, oh no. Seems like it's yours. Oh no, that's not good. Just bring it down a little bit, maybe. How's it now? I don't hear it now. All right, I apologize. Now I do. I think it's just that your headset's getting too close to it, so try not to tilt your head, maybe. I don't know. Or just turn my headset volume down. I can do that some, but... No, it's in my headset. That's true, yeah. I don't remember which one yours is, though, so... All right, well... Just going to turn them all down and hope for the best. that do anything? Uh, Let's move on, I guess, while trying to figure it out, but... Okay, well, anyway... Um, we had some news that you sent us over the weekend, Colin, about the the uh, high school transfers due to the changes in the rule. Uh, some numbers that are a little bit larger than what we originally thought in terms of how many transfers we have. Yeah, it was definitely uh, strange here as it comes out saying that for the fall, just for the fall year, when it comes to the sports, there have been 430 students transferred. For perspective, they say less than 140 transfer waivers were granted for sports in all seasons from January 2021 to the spring of 2023 before this rule. And now we have 430 just for the fall season of sports alone, which is pretty crazy numbers yeah i mean that's higher than i anticipated it being and i guess uh you know just the individual schools were all counted on that article from wsaz so it was pretty interesting stuff and i I just i wonder how much of an impact it's having and how or how we'll see this in the future you know with this new rule and and will the number increase was this just because okay this was something new so, you know, the most people transferred and then, uh, you know, try, and now there's not so much that. So I think it's you know going to be interesting to see how it impacts things moving forward. And uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, how, how college is or high schools are dealing with this now. Yeah, the article from WSAZ that came out with these numbers goes on to say that some of the schools that received the most transfers for football, Nitro with 18, George Washington with 12, and Hurricane with 11. So, definitely interesting that there's that many just for fall. We'll see what happens during the basketball season. Because we know there were some, at least out-of-state transfers. I don't know if there's been any from school to school within the Eastern Panhandle. And then in the spring, how many we see for either track, baseball, softball, lacrosse. Yeah, like Spring Mills girls lost a ton of players. We know of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't know too much about any of the boys' teams, but there were some rumors about Jefferson players leaving for Washington uh, with Coach Miller going there. You know, a lot of them played for him in middle school, so that might happen. Um, and I'm not saying like he was involved in that or anything. I'm just saying some kids may have decided to leave, uh, if they really liked playing for coach, uh, Ryan Miller. So that, that might've happened and, and we've heard some of that. So, 
Uh, it should be interesting. By the way, just because we were talking about girls basketball at Spring Mills, former Spring Mills Cardinal, uh, Corinne Etzel, committed to Shepard. Yes, she did. Over the weekend. So that's a big pickup for the Rams. Very solid player. Uh, she's now at John Hanley, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, again, we'll we'll follow her career. And, uh, you know, just saw that the other day. So even though she's no longer an Eastern Panhandle athlete, still pretty cool to see that she'll be returning to the Panhandle for her college ball. And, and that's a good pickup for a Shepherd team that certainly needs some help. But let's go ahead and move on. Um, you know, transfers are kind of a – a touchy subject because you don't really know how to get into it, I feel like. Yeah. Because it's high school kids making a decision. Ultimately, you want them to make the best decision for them, but you also don't want this to turn into college sports. And I think that's the thing that we're all hoping doesn't happen. Um, in terms of other stuff going on, yesterday, Dylan, uh, you sent us the D2 rankings are out, and now we actually have a number with those rankings. They're no longer in alphabetical order. Right, so if I can pull this up. First of all, there's, what, five of the PSAC teams? Five PSAC teams. Shepard sitting in the nine spot right now. So they're on the outside looking in. But we were kind of going back and forth over text, and it looks like Shepard could find its way in. A win this week would certainly help that, uh, based on the fact that East Strasburg's in right now, Cal is in right now, Kutztown is in right now, Slippery Rock is in right now. So I think the Rams could get in, but they're obviously going to need a win this week. So, yeah, it's going to rely on them winning their last two games. They they need to beat East Stroudsburg. I think if they lose either of these games, especially, you know, I think it's either one. But yeah, I, I, I think that. if they lose one game that they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. But I think if they do beat East Stroudsburg and then beat Mercyhurst, that I do think... That let's, let's do the math here. So go up and down the rankings. It's Slippery Rock 1, Tiffin 2, Charleston 3, East Stroudsburg 4, Frostburg State 5, Cal 6, 7 is Kutztown, 8 is Fairmont State, 9 is Shepard, 10 is New Haven. Now, the, the thing that gets kind of thrown into the mix here is that New Haven, while they are number 10, how the D2 regional rankings work is that if you make the top nine in the rankings so normally only the top seven get in but if you also finish at eight or nine and win your conference you get in it's a does that push out the seventh seed then yeah it would push it would push out the seventh seed or whoever is you know depending on if there's multiple teams that fit that bill but that being said so new haven is on track to if they win their last two games win the ne10 they they right. fa- it's it'll be basically be if they assuming both teams win this week bentley versus new haven will be the conference championship game that's that's already what's on the schedule for them so th- that could complicate things but fair frostburg state at five and fairmont state at eight they play each other still to, uh, to end the year so if they play each other uh, and the loser of that drops out. I think it might get interesting if Frostburg were to be the one that lost, them sitting up at five. Would they drop all the way out and drop all the way below Shepard? I don't know. This would be with Shepard having a win over the current number four, though. So it'd be Yeah, interesting. I think they would. So East Stroudsburg and Cal still both play each other. Mm-hmm. You would assume East Stroudsburg loses to Shepard. They drop around the same range as Shepard. Kutztown right now. Cal east stroudsburg loser of that is out of the playoffs mm-hmm. so that bumps shepherd up 
potentially two spots. Let's say Fairmont State loses to Frostburg. They'll bump them up two spots. So that would put them at number seven. And then Kutztown plays Slippery Rock. In the, I think, I don't know if they've clinched the East. Yeah, they Kutztown, have. They have. Yeah, That's they what have. I kind of figured. So the, the PSAC championship game, Slippery Rock and Kutztown, let's say Slippery Rock wins that game, which we would expect them to. Kutztown, do they fall below Shepard with a third loss, even though they beat Shepard? I think they probably do because I think Shepard... You think they do? I think that's the interesting question that it might come down to is would you favor a Kutztown team with three losses who beat Shepard over a Shepard team with two losses and one of those is Kutztown and the other is Bloomsburg who's going to finish with a losing record? I think it's very tough. It is very tough. I would almost lean toward Kutztown even if they would come in with three losses because their three losses would be better quality teams than the two losses that Shepard have and they also beat Shepard. It, it it makes it interesting. I think it, it'll put them on the bubble with with those two losses because probably no matter what, these teams on the bubble are going to be all two loss teams except for maybe Kutztown because of them having. And you got to remember too, like that Cal game. I mean, they still lost, but they were up twenty to nothing heading or whatever it was twenty to seven heading into the fourth quarter, and they blew the lead. So yeah. like they could have beat them. I mean, obviously they didn't. And ultimately, you know, that's what matters the most. But their other losses to Assumption on the road, who was ranked at the time, they're no longer having as good of a season, but they're still a solid team. So, you know, it's very close. I would almost give the edge, though, to Kutztown because of that win over Shepard. I feel like it means a little bit more. But also, some of these results aren't overly impressive. Like, they're barely slipping by these other teams. You know, a 9-6 win over Shippensburg, a 7-3 win over Lockhaven, a 17-12 win over Millersville. I don't even know if Westchester's guaranteed this week for Kutztown anyway. They might not be. Because, I mean, even though Westchester looks like they stink, like so do these other teams. So, you know, if, if they keep playing like this, it, it might be close. But it just seems like Kutztown finds a way to win. You also figure that Slippery Rock, based on the the resume so far, is going to dominate the Golden Bears. But it, it's like a weird team that always seems to play a good game, and it's also in Kutztown, so... You know who knows, but I, th- I think it's going to be very tough to put Shepard in over them, even if they have a third loss, just because. Yeah, Kutztown beat them pretty convincingly. They beat like, them. It, was, it didn't to come three. down to the wire or anything, and yeah, it was got, at, it was at Shepard too. So yeah. you got two teams undefeated: Slippery Rock, Tiffin. Two teams, one loss teams. I Charleston, think those top East, three And then the final six, five through ten, all two loss teams. So. It's going to be very tough to see if I, I don't even know if any three lost teams get in. And if it comes down to, let's say, three of them, I don't know who you pick. If it goes, let's say, cuts down, because they'll probably lose in the PSAC championship unless something crazy happens. You expect them to be a three lost team. As Dylan said earlier, Frostburg State, Fairmont State, they play each other. So one of those are going to be a three lost team. New Haven most likely only gets in if they win the NE10. Which who do you mm. say they're playing? Bentley. The, the, they have five and three. I believe they play Pace. No, Bentley also has only one loss in the conference. They're five and three though. Yeah, overall I believe. So you would kind of expect New Haven to get in uh, at that point. But if Bentley wins, do they become a ten that moves up? Possibly. There's also Finley in the mix. 
that as a contender, I believe two two losses, if not. I think I think they only have two losses, and they they play Tiffin, who is the current number two seed. If that upset were to happen, that probably right. throws off all the mix too, and Finley probably works their way up towards that number seven spot. I'm not counting out Westchester this week though. Like they just yeah. won against Lockhaven forty two twenty seven. Like yes, Shepard beat them fifty nine twenty one. It didn't look good at all, but for them to bounce back, put up some points, and, and Kutztown has kind of struggled offensively. Like that's true. You're not really blowing anybody out right now. If you keep Westchester in the game, you never know. Westchester could go in and get that win at home, and then all of a sudden, Kutztown's a three loss team heading into the PSAC championship where they're probably going to become a four-loss team. So then they're out at that point. And it's tough for Cal, too, because they got their final two games on the road at Gannon. Yeah, that's not going to be easy either. And then at East Stroudsburg. And I think it gets interesting, too, because I think it was Fairmont State. I'll have to double-check this, but I think Fairmont State um, played a four-point game against Bloomsburg week one. So, like, how are they looking at the Bloomsburg loss? And if Bloomsburg were to win its final two games, like, they're still going to be you know, bad record-wise, but I don't know. It might not look as bad as maybe it, 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 we thought it was initially because, like, they've played close against teams that are going to be in this regional playoff. And the PSAC's clearly getting a lot of respect as the toughest conference in the region. So if that's the case, are they going to kick out some of these other teams? Yeah, as Fairmont State, they lost 34-30 in that game uh, in week one. So... You know how do you how do you judge some of these games? I think it's going to be very interesting. I I would be uh, I'd be interested to be in that room when they're having these discussions because you know how do you weigh these games? How do you weigh point differentials and stuff like that? I think it's all very close, and I, I feel I keep coming back to if Shepherd wins this week, I don't see how they're not going to be in. Presuming they were able to beat Mercyhurst. Like, I, I can't see a scenario. And I wonder, too, how much does Shepard get that extra respect being the back-to-back regional champion? Because I think That's that matters. Too. It does. Even though it's in the past, it's like you always think about Alabama gets that extra edge because they're Alabama. You know, Clemson in the past got that extra edge because they're Clemson. Yeah, but not this year. But, like, when you start to think about it, does that play any sort of factor that Shepard's the back-to-back regional champion even though – you know, this year they do have two losses. We see that all the time in the college football playoff that yeah. teams like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State kind of get that prestige bonus and kind of sneak into the playoffs in times where maybe other teams could get it over them. Yes, I think it, it, it's tough. I mean, this week will tell us a lot more. We'll have a lot better idea. If Shepard loses this week, I don't see them getting in. I don't either. Especially if Kutztown were to win over Westchester. Um, I feel like East Strasburg then would lock up a spot too. So it, it should be interesting. But this game, I mean, it's, it's going to be a great game, I think, on Saturday, and there's a lot riding on it. So that wraps things up here for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store anymore. Visit them at 360 Hack Wilson Way or online at orsinis.com. You're tuned into the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. 
welcome you back on this Halloween edition of the Sports Mix. Luigi, Batman, Kurt Cobain, Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop. Every other day of the week, every other day of yep. the year, I guess I should say. Um, again, we have that noise. Don't know exactly what that is, but apologize for that. Um, Colin, your commanders made a move at the trade deadline. They traded away Montez Sweat for a second-round pick from the Chicago Bears. And talking before the show when this went down, my initial thoughts were, this seems like a pretty good move for the commanders. Yes, you lose a, a solid pass rusher in Sweat, which may look like you know, a bad move, but I think getting a second-round pick for him I think he's on an expiring contract or his contract's coming yes, up. It, so this was his last year of his contract. So you're not going to probably be a playoff team. So I don't think it's a bad move for Washington here to get as much value as you possibly could for a guy that you probably weren't going to re-sign and has played well for you, but has never been an elite pass rusher and you get a second rounder for him. Uh, seems like maybe a weird move for the bears to overpay for a pass rusher when they are definitely not going to be a playoff team. Um, but I guess they're thinking, hey, we have cap space. Montez Sweat, we we can sign him to a long-term deal. He's already a known product, opposed to taking a risk on a second-round pick that may not work out for you. So I guess both teams kind of get something for it, but I think it's a possibly win for Washington, especially if that second-round pick turns out to be pretty good. Yeah, right now that'd be number 35 in the draft. So I like that. Sweat through eight games has six and a half sacks in his career 35 and a half now this is probably his best seasons. season so far yeah mm. so it, it makes sense that he's the one to trade and even though everybody says is chase young potentially a bust he's still the guy that you drafted number two overall so he's the one that you have more riding on which means if it came down to sweat and young you got to keep young try to sign him for a little bit longer and hope that he pans out to be the player that you expected him to so best of luck to sweat and hopefully though in the draft the commanders make the right pick there right now pick 35 i just don't know what the bears are, are doing just in general like ryan poles the gm of the bears just seems lost like at the same time that they're making this trade they're apparently considering a trade of their corner Jalen Johnson their number one corner who's really good also in a contract year just like Montez Sweat and it's a parallel of what they did last year where they traded a second round pick for Chase Claypool which ended up being the 32nd pick in the draft because you know there was a forfeited first round pick last year so it was the first pick of the second round and the the Steelers end up getting Joey Porter Jr., who's been really good for them so far. And at the same time that they do that, they trade Roquan Smith to the Bears for their other second round, so for the Ravens' second round pick, so which ends up being like in the 50s, uh, somewhere in that range. So it's basically the same thing that they've kind of looks like they're going to do. They're not anywhere close to competing. They are probably going to fire Matt Eberflus after this season. And if they get the first or second pick in the draft, they might be changing quarterbacks also. Well, they do have two first-round picks, so maybe that was part of it too. Maybe they felt like these picks are probably both going to be top 10. Do we really need the second-round pick? Rather have Montez Sweat than a second-round pick because you already know what Sweat is. So I don't hate this move as much you as could. their past moves. Y- you could, but I think that 
the Bears should just be stockpiling as much draft capital as they could yeah, because I mean, that's a fair way of looking at it. Because you can ideally. Montez, Montez Sweat has had the sort of career with Washington so far of a good second round pick when he was, you know, he was a good lower first round pick, mid mid to the first round, somewhere in that range. So he's had about the career that you would hope for. And you would think that with, you know, the 35th pick in the draft, you would get something like a Montez Sweat on a rookie contract for the next four years as, as opposed to next year you're going to have to if you want to keep Montez Sweat you have to pay him you know probably 15 to 20 probably more million, than what he's worth probably f- at least 15 million dollars a year so it's just this is not the direction that you go when you're in a situation of the Bears where right. you might be changing quarterbacks changing coaches you're but like they gotta pay somebody I mean they, they, they have do. cap room yeah but it, that's what I would say is, why don't you keep a Roquan Smith or a Jalen Johnson? So, and then they're not apparently Jalen doing Johnson, that. I think requested a trade. That's true. He did. Uh, the so the it, weird thing with the Smith move was okay. They said we don't really value the inside linebacker position that much at this point to pay Roquan Smith what he wants. So we're going to deal him for the second round pick. But then they went out and signed two linebackers, Intermate Edmonds yeah. and, and uh, TJ Edwards, and they gave both of them you know, pretty solid money. So they, that was the weird part with it. Not so much that they dealt Smith when they didn't want to pay him, but that they signed linebackers for big contracts, and Roquan Smith is better than those guys. So it's like, what was that move? This actually, the more I think about it, I think is actually a pretty good move for Chicago because, like I said, you're getting a guaranteed – productive player or at least he's been productive nobody's guaranteed in the nfl but he's been productive in the past you know what you're getting in him opposed to taking a risk on a second round pick you do have two first round picks you can kind of add to that there is the risk that he's not going to resign with you though yeah but i'm presuming that they're already talking to him you would they made this trade uh and that's going to get done relatively quickly i would i would figure um, so I think there's some, some good things here for Chicago. This isn't the weirdest move that they've made. I feel like they've made worse moves. The Claypool trade was definitely bad. I didn't understand that at the time. I didn't think Chase Claypool was worth a second round pick and he hasn't, he's not even on their team anymore. They got like a six rounder for him or something like that. And, um, yeah. So the bears, I mean, they, they did make one really good one. move, right? They signed Tyson Bajan and he's worked out well. I will say, of quarterback. nine minutes ago, Ian Rappaport tweeted, sources, the commanders may not be done. They are now taking calls on former number two pick Chase Young. Could they, trade Mo- could they trade Montez Sweat and Young? Question mark. That's from Ian Rappaport. I don't... For those that are watching on TV 10, I'm wearing a mask. He's wearing the I'm mask to hi- he's, he's wearing the mask to hide the pain. <laughs> I mean, what, what has oh, Chase boy. Young done this year? What's he got? Five. I sacks? don't know about he's sacks. Been all right, he's definitely gotten better. It seems like it's been a There's health been a issue. lot of pressure more so that they've dealt to quarterbacks, but just haven't been able to finish plays. I've said that the past few weeks. They provide a great amount of pressure, but they just can't finish the play yeah quarterbacks extend the plays and that's what's been the issue i mean the weird thing they did with young was they didn't pick up his fifth-year player option so again he's a free agent Mm -hmm. too and he's been productive this year at the five sacks but is he going to be worth 
what they would have to pay him and is Washington going to commit to this full rebuild but you're right you know he's only 24 they drafted him number two a few years ago it would be kind of weird to trade him at this point but we got to take a break we're running out of time on the other side of this break we will either talk James Harden news as he's been traded to the Clippers which probably what we're going to talk about maybe bring up the World Series a little bit as well don't have much time won't be here rest of the week get my take on Harden this segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford revolutionizing the car buying experience visit them online at HagerstownFord.com my now back to the sports mix on talk radio WRNR 106.5 FM AM 740 and TV 10 we welcome you back to the final two minutes of the sports mix Dylan let's hear it what's your thoughts on this James Harden deal P.J. Tucker, some guy I never heard of, to the Clippers, along with James Harden for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, a 2020 unprotected first-round pick, two second-round picks, and a 2029 pick swap. I, I think the the Sixers, I, I'm not really sure what they uh, are going to be able to do now. They need Tyrese Maxey to like be that most improved player of the year kind of guy for them to be a title contender now. And I don't think that's quite what's going to happen. Uh, trading it, trading Harden for a bunch of bench pieces is not going to get it done. Yeah, but I don't really think they had an option. So it yeah. didn't seem like he was going to report. So they got at least something yeah. for him. But and For the Clippers, it kind of works out. I don't really feel much different about them. I kind of always forget that Westbrook is still there, even though he airballed a game winner the other night. So What a team they would have been in 2014. Right, or 28, 17, 18 yeah, even. 2017, 2016. That wraps up today's edition of the Sports Mix. For Nick Verzellini, Dylan Bishop, I'm Colin McLaughlin signing off. Happy Halloween, everyone. Thank you.